0: Welcome to the HopeCast. Here, we have conversations on finding life.
1: Hello, and welcome to the HopeCast.
0: Wait, (gasps) wait. Who Hello? are you? It's Where's me? Drew? I'm back.
1: I wish I had a sound like Nicole sound effects. Is back. I feel like uh, we're on a morning show right I now. I
0: can hear the applause through <laughs> all of I the... want to have
1: one of those like two like little um party things, the streamers that come out. Well, then called? I should
0: be the one to say, Welcome to the Hope cast. Nicole <laughs> is back.
1: Thank you. Welcome so back. Glad to be back. Yes. It's been a long time, it feels like. So I'm sure Drew handled everything perfectly in my absence. And I'm glad for our whole team. because We can do that together, right? Yeah. Good. So, but if you like Drew better, just keep that to yourself. Yes. So.
0: <laughs> we appreciate constructive uh, criticism, but not all constructive
1: no, criticism. <laughs> just kidding. No, Drew's great. And he's still here with us. He's just our silent, the silent member of our team. So that's fun. But um, it's good to be back and love just a new season here um, in the weather and also at Hope. And it's exciting. It's a good it time. Is.
0: Yeah, I agree. So,
1: yes, this is just about the time, like early October, where finally, like, things kind of get settled when you're in middle family life like I am. Like People the get into school their year schedules. is starting to settle in. Yes, we start, you know, you start getting used to the time, wake-up time and bedtime and mm-hmm. getting back to normal. So it's yeah. nice. It's good.
0: Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, that that's always that like because it's been a few years since we were in that – are you, but mean, you're, are
1: you normally a structured person though? I mean, in, yes. in your, in your way, you would pick
0: Generally, yes.
1: a schedule. Yeah. So do you do things like pretty much, do you have a kind of a morning routine that is the same no matter what?
0: Um, I try to have a morning routine. If something comes up or there's something that I've got to do, you know, I'm not going to, you know, kill myself over missing the morning routine, but I definitely try to have a morning routine. I find that if I do that, it's just much more helpful to kind of getting the day moving yeah. in ways that seem like a good start.
1: Do you, like if you had something really early, would you intentionally get up early to, you know, participate in a morning routine to get the day started or d- it, will it lapse if that happens?
0: Depends how tired I am, mm-hmm. how stressful a week it's been, how much other stuff is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the routine that we're talking about for me, you know, is, um, it's a combination of coffee and Bible reading and other stuff like that for me. And now I can do this because we don't have kids and the household doesn't require the attention to go toward the kids the mm-hmm. same way for me, uh, about six fifteen to seven fifteen in the morning, mm-hmm. I'm going to try to spend that way. Um, if I had something let's say at uh seven, yeah, which would require me to leave the house at let's say six thirty, um whether I got up earlier and had that time before six thirty or whether I skipped it that day would depend on how tired I was.
1: Yeah. So but generally kind of you've got a standard and you're I'm assuming you like to be somewhere in scripture you're reading through. Are you a journaler?
0: I, um, this is not our topic. I know if you're listening right now, I just am
1: starting to,
0: right. So, you know what, let's just, let's just be a little more, Hey, if you listen to the podcast, you heard a little bit more. Okay. So, um, pretty much every morning when I get up, I have to stretch in the morning. Mm Um, my back is usually sore. It's not a big deal. It's life and a few more years under my belt, but I spent about 10 minutes stretching my back. Mm -hmm. So the way this works perfectly, ready? Here you go. Here's David's routine. (laughs) Get up, let the dog out, put the coffee on, feed the dog, stretch my back, coffee's ready, pour my coffee, go into the other room at my desk with my Bible and a journal. So I'll read and I reflect on my Mm -hmm. reading. I'll write a lot of notes in my Bible, but then my journal... I've decided that I have to journal my own way and it's, yeah. um, it's a way that is not clean and linear. Mm-hmm. Like I don't date it and I don't, you know, right. any of that. I just stream of consciousness. Mm-hmm. So this has been a little bit of uh of a discipline for me because I've always been a very sporadic journaler or I've been an aspiring journaler mm-hmm. and I do it and then I stop yeah. and I do it and I stop and I decided the reason I stopped is because I had some image in my head of how some formalized sure. journal process was supposed to happen. I'm a believer that writing increases your engagement with the material.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I'm writing thoughts. I could just think them. Right. But writing them increases the way they sort of get sealed in your mind.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then I write uh, prayers. Mm-hmm. Or I just write my prayer topics for the day, Mm -hmm. and then I pray. And then I do some theology reading. Mm. It's kind of my pattern. Bible, journal, prayer, theology.
1: What are you reading right now?
0: My theology reading is a small book called Concise Theology by J.I. Packer. Mm. It's like a theology 100-level reminder of clear, simple Mm. theological basics so if somebody's like, hey, you know, I don't want to do heavy theology reading. I'm not like a seminary student, but I hear people talk about reading theology. Is there a book that's like a a good one that sort yeah. of hits that space? I'd say this is a good one. Mm. It's it's simple two, three page entries on different topics of theology, and it's called it's either called concise theology or a concise theology by, by J. J. I Packer.
1: Right. That's awesome.
0: Well, so that's my morning for
1: opening our podcast with You're your welcome. whole morning routine. I do think um it's easier for some than others to to get into like a very stable pattern, but I think it's really good. Um I'm not it's not as easy for me to be in that pattern some of its life uh this stage of life so right. finding a little bit probably the word is rhythms for me right. at the end of the day looking back on the day what rhythms Did I try to wherever I can kind of carve them out?
0: It's totally different and it changes with the seasons of life. I think that's helpful for people to know when you got three kids getting up, getting going, getting out to school in the morning, um, it's a different household than for us. Our kids are grown. And so you're finding the way to try to have these rhythms and time in your stage with three little kids in a certain way. Then the season of life changes and you can do it a different way.
1: I remember when the kids were really little, I probably had eight straight years of young, young kids. And I, like the the extent of my- But they got
0: older, right? They
1: did. (laughs) Thank goodness. Uh, The extent of my spiritual routine was when the kids took a nap, I would sit or lay down on the couch and listen to, it usually was honestly less than one worship song because I would fall asleep. Yeah. But it was like just an effort, and sometimes I'm like, you know what? Humble effort is rewarded. If you are are trying to make space for God in your life, I think he's he know he knows. You know, I remember a a writer that I was following who said, if you uh, go to pray and you fall asleep, maybe God knows that you need rest, Uh, and that's okay. Like it's just so freeing.
0: And if I mean, some people, this idea of spending devotional time. It's a legalism, Mm -hmm. and I've never found that helpful. Like, I have to do this because what? Because I'm earning God's favor? It's actually an
1: oxymoron, the word devotion with legalism. Like, if you think of the idea, if you're devoted to something, you really want to do it. You're devoted to music that you love or art or whatever.
0: Well, I can think of times where I would, like, sit down, be ready to kind of get into it, and then there'd be an interruption from Mm -hmm. one of the children or something. And I had basically the same kind of thought. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. God is the one who designed the way children are created and made. God made children mm-hmm. to come into the world. I'm going to guess that God <laughs> understands how this all works and what it's like to be interrupted by a child. God's children. not up
1: there, like, why aren't you spending right. your devotion time? Right, right, you know, right, right. why are you loving your children well and being present with them, and maybe learning something about <laughs> uh, my love for you this. based on how one you're of your children are, like present. fell down the stairs and they're <laughs>
0: screaming. You're like. I'm not helping you. I'm spending time with God. I'm
1: not available. (laughs) It does feel that way sometimes. All right. Well, that's a quick word on a morning routine. That was just a little bonus.
0: Parenting, devotional time. We threw a a lot I can't make a good transition
1: right here, except to say, actually, I can, because uh, now we're going to talk a little bit today about... Um, this is just a little bit of faith basics that we've both found really helpful over the years, uh, because of people's backgrounds and how they come into a relationship with God or an understanding of faith. And it's about the differences and similarities in the Catholic and Protestant faith. So you may have, uh, you may be Catholic, you may have been Catholic or perhaps Episcopal kind of along those, the continuum, um, or you have a friend who's Catholic and you might wonder why is it... is it different? Is this the same? Are we worshiping the same God? Is this different or not? Mm -hmm. So um, in the spirit of the Reformation, which David, I'm sure you'll speak about now, which is we're celebrating 500 years of Mm -hmm. the Reformation, Mm -hmm. what would you like for us to know?
0: So maybe we should start with what's the Reformation, because some people might have heard that word and thought, what are you talking about? So it is, I don't know why, it seems sort of interesting to me Reformation Day, so to speak. The day that the Reformation is commemorated is October 31st. So like Halloween in our culture. But it's generally understood, or the day is marked as October 31st, 1517, when uh, a German monk named Martin Luther posted 95—they're often called theses, but— They might be better stated as sort of queries, Mm. thoughts, questions, and as I understand the Reformation and the study that I've done about it, which is not tons, I'm not an expert, um, this this is a monk who was studying the scriptures, and questions arise and thoughts arise, and he's reading... And he gets to some scriptures that speak about the fact that we are saved by grace through faith, and he'd been taught in his Catholic tradition that there's more to how salvation comes forth in a person's life. And he had been taught that a certain amount of this happens as a person participates in church services— um, the sacraments and engagement with mass and confession and forgiveness through the priests and things like that.
1: So those those acts would be part of salvation, right? Is that what you're yes, saying? Yes,
0: that that your 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 standing with God mm-hmm. depends upon your faithful participation in these um, church experiences.
1: So it's 1,500. Is there Baptist churches? Is there other churches? Is, it, is there one, you know, kind of what's, what's the entry point mm-hmm. at that point?
0: Most generally stated, and if there's somebody who's a real expert listening to this, I imagine they'll identify some um, gaps in what I'm saying, but most broadly stated, when the early church developed, right? So the apostles, you could say, mm-hmm. were the first first people in the church, And um, then what happens is the church begins to grow and spread. We read about it in the book of Acts and that kind of thing. And then the church is spreading in the Middle East. And then you have what's called the Orthodox Church. And the Orthodox Church is sort of in the Middle East and uh, North Africa Mm -hmm. and in that part Mm -hmm. of the world. Then the Church also begins to go westward, Mm -hmm. and the Church sort of develops in and around Rome and develops positions and structures in Rome, and you get what we generally refer to as the Roman Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. So you then have the Orthodox Church and the Catholic Mm Church— Or more extensively stated, the Eastern Orthodox Church mm-hmm. and the Roman Catholic Church, and these are the two institutional expressions of the church by and large, okay, so us being in the West, we're more influenced by the Roman Catholic mm-hmm. Church than the Eastern Orthodox Church, and so those would have been the two major ecclesiastical bodies. By Martin Luther's time.
1: So no church on every street corner with a different name and different no. different denominations.
0: No, but there would have been some church buildings around that were part of the Roman Catholic mm-hmm. or the Eastern Orthodox Church. And so Martin Luther is a monk in the Catholic Church, and he's studying the scriptures as monks do. And he's reading some of these New Testament texts that speak about being saved by grace through faith, Mm. not by works. Works being that you're a good enough person, works being that you're going to mass every week or that you're receiving confession from a priest Mm -hmm. and so forth. And so he generates a number of questions or queries that are related to his study. And, As the history describes it, he posts these 95 queries Mm -hmm. or points on uh, the door of All Saints Church in Wittenberg in Germany, and people see it, and the historical record says Luther was not intending to create some big firestorm. They were sort of a conversation starter.
1: It was kind of like a trying to, to, I mean, reform from within. Like yeah. aren't some of these things not in line with what scripture right. is saying. Right.
0: I don't think I don't think he intended it to become a substantial counter movement mm-hmm. to the Roman Catholic Church.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It might also be helpful about now to realize that the word Catholic is derived from a Greek word that means sort of everyone together. Okay. Or universal. So <clears throat> There are two ways, you know. You use the word Catholic Church. Yeah. One could ask the question: Are you speaking about the Roman Catholic Church, with you know, like the Pope in Rome and the structures and the all that,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or are you using the word Catholic to mean worldwide everybody who's a Christian? Mm-hmm. Both would be reasonable uses of the word. Probably for most listeners, what we're going to arc to is the Roman Catholic Church, the institution, the Pope, the priests, the cardinals, etc. So Luther posts these points, and they garner a bunch of interest, and it creates a momentum that he didn't really anticipate, Mm -hmm. and enough momentum gets the attention of the religious authorities, and they begin to question him about this. The questioning makes him look harder and deeper into it, Mm. and he does begin to feel that the Bible is clearly saying that our standing with God, our right positioning with God, is a gift that He gives us through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, and through faith in trusting that for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that requirements about going to church and receiving confession and the sacraments and so on are secondary matters, but they're not primary to your salvation or your relationship with God and the church contested this, Mm. the church's teaching was you cannot have salvation outside of that regular participation as the church mediates it to you, Mm -hmm. right? So you can begin to feel this. I'm trying to be charitable. I'm a Protestant, so that's not by accident. Right. But I'm appreciative of a lot of different expressions of the church as long as they're Biblical and Christ centered, there would be some theological points where I would have a different view than a Roman Catholic, but that doesn't mean we can't be close friends and share fellowship in right. Christ, uh, and that I can't respect them and love them and all that stuff. Probably oversensitive about that, but
1: I think the I think the the interesting concept there is that, and tell me if if this is too you know strong, but. That there is a there is a priest who is the one who can get to God, and that at that time, especially the, the Bible was not translated into language for the people, that they could read it themselves. There was no sense that you would read the Bible yourself. The priest is the one who has the power and authority to right, do that. Right. So it became a power structure, really, where the common people were separated from, right. you know, and that through Luther's investigation, he looked at... 1 Peter 2, you know, we are a royal priesthood, this concept that Jesus is our high priest, there is no other between. Right. Um, and that that you can see that manifest today in the differences between Catholicism and, and Protestantism, which is right. more of an emphasis on Scripture reading for yourself. In fact, I think it was Luther, really, who started any translating of the Bible into common language.
0: Uh, Luther, and then we could look it up a little bit, probably uh, William Tyndall. Mm-hmm. Uh, would have been a significant name in terms of Bible translation, but
1: the firestorm—not you know—the sort of starting point of this different way, right—comes um, comes from that time,
0: right? And I think you're putting your finger now on the more incendiary elements of it, which is essentially the power and the control over people in their religious life was sort of held by the church and right. by the priests. Because the Bible was in their hands, and so the teaching of it and what was taught of it would have come through the church and through the priests. So in a sense, Martin Luther comes on the scene, and you might say he reads it with the common man's eyes Mm. rather than through the power structures of the church Mm. and the ecclesiastical priesthood and so on. And reading it through those eyes, he has questions and says, I think the Bible is saying something different than what the church has been conveying. Mm -hmm. And so he's raising those questions. Over time, um, things get contentious. People begin to um, feel like they want to follow Luther. The questions he's raising and the points he's making about salvation— So today we have the term Lutherans. Mm -hmm. Those are people who sort of Luther was their example and the one they follow. Um, So what happens, interestingly, is you have forms of worship, like traditional forms, robes, pews, Mm -hmm. organs, they're liturgical, they're reading. So the forms of worship may feel like a sort of Roman Catholic Mm. form of a worship service, but... The content and the messaging about salvation, Mm. uh, how we have access to God, et cetera, is different. Mm -hmm. And the Protestant Reformation is saying that our salvation is through faith in Christ Mm -hmm. alone, not through the other church requirements. Mm -hmm. Um, And then worship begins to, over the centuries, change a little bit in terms of its style and its form. And so now you get to environments where, like a hope environment, uh, that is not a liturgical environment, Mm -hmm. where you have a very formatted planned service that's sort of like the priest leading the prayers, Mm. the people responding, and all that. And then hope—some people might think hope feels rather freeform. Well, hope is pretty— pretty straight and clear compared to places that are really free form.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's got its own kind of liturgy. It's just not the same, but Mm -hmm. yeah, those are some, uh, there's many more things to say. We're going to wrap up now. That's just kind of like a starting point because if this is interesting to you or it affects your life, it's worth looking into. It's, it's intriguing to understand and it may raise some questions for you as well in your own faith about what does this mean and why do we do it? And those are good. That's a good journey to go on.
0: Yeah. So Halloween is the That's 500th the anniversary of the start of the Protestant movement.
1: I did ask if one of my kids wanted to dress up as Martin Luther, but they turned me Any down. Any takers? No takers yet. Okay. okay. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week.
0: HopeCast is a ministry of Hope Church in Richmond, Virginia. You can find us online at www.hopecentral.com.